Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly. And voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. Like always, we try and find innovative and fascinating people inside and outside the world of human resources, technology, data, and analytics to talk to you about their experiences of what's going on to give you practical examples. Today, we have with us my friend, Gary Brager from Nelson Hall. Gary, how are you? Great, thanks, David. Great to be with you. Thank you for coming. And we have my friend and colleague, as always, Dwight Brown. Good to be here, David. Outstanding. So today, what we want to do is we want to talk about HR technology, past, present, and future. And so we can set some context. What we first want to do, Gary, is talk about who you are and how long you've been at Nelson Hall, and as we talked about, something interesting about you that no one knows. Let's sure. start with who, who is Gary? Sure. Hi, I'm Gary Bergar with Nelson Hall. I joined Nelson Hall in April of 2007, and in the analyst community, that's probably the equivalent of uh, two careers. But prior <laughs> to that, I did have a, a career. I started at uh, Bell Labs in, in New Jersey, and most of my career has been in HR, my first job was as a COBOL programmer, but being more of a people person, I quickly, uh, luckily, had great management, and that's what the company was noted for, is developing people, and I moved into HR, and I actually did compensation for the physics division. Wow. So, that's, so you're getting the really brilliant people, and you had to be at their level. My boss's boss was Kumar uh, Patel. He invented the laser. And at the time, our vice president was Arno Penzias, who got the Nobel Prize for the Big Bang Theory. So, yeah, it was really cool to, to work with people like that. So I got to tell you, I love COBOL. It was, <laughs> I live with the first languages I actually learned in college. Yeah. That's because I'm really old. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's one thing that no one knows about you I don't believe anybody at this conference or, or anyone except for my wife would know about me, except that about 20 years ago, I actually used to compete in weightlifting competitions. And it's kind of like wrestling. It's yeah. based on your age group and your weight class. So I was in the weight class of people that weighed between 168 and 181 in the age 40 to 44 weight weight class. And I actually won a couple competitions and I bench pressed. It was 310 pounds. I think I weighed like 175. And and there's people that lift more, but it was pretty good because this was what they consider a a drug tested competition. So I wasn't competing with people that are on steroids and all that. And uh, it wasn't like a gym lift where you come bounce it off your chest. You, You actually have three, three judges. There's one behind you and two on the side. You have to take it off the bar hold it on your chest for like a count of three until they say press. Then you have to bring it up. You can't bring it up like this. It has to be nice and even. Then you have to wait for them to tell you to lock it. Right. Or, I'm sorry, rack it once it's locked. Right, and right, then right. you can bring it back on the, the rack. So, cool. so, yeah. So it was it's kind of interesting fact. Now I just, you know, I still exercise, right. but no, no more 
heavyweights getting. <laughs> you know what? That's one of the best ones we have ever had. Yeah. <laughs> tell you, yes, it is. That is pretty cool. That's great. That's yeah, a lot of fun. Thanks. So let's transition to our topic, which is the state of HR technology and what happened in the past to set us up for context for today, what's going on today, what you've seen, and then what's going to happen in the future, and what, you know, just what are your thoughts? So let's start about the past. Let's talk about what do you think of when someone says to you, where has HR technology come from? Yeah, I mean, HR technology, to me, was, it, was a, it was a tool to use, whether it was for learning management or recruiting, and that's probably a good place to focus on if I had to pick one specialty in, in HR that I would consider a, a strength or more of an interest would be, you know, talent acquisition or, you know, talent management uh, in general. And I think where we've been was, you know, just tools to do the job to recruit candidates to get people in in the dual. And really that's, that's changed to today where we're looking, combining that with, with assessments and, and data to both recruit people that are actively looking for jobs, but also passive candidates, people that may not even be looking for a job. And right. that we have got tools and technology today that can actually scan databases, whether it's LinkedIn or, or other places, and find you know, talent they need and, and reach out to them. Actually, what a coincidence this morning, I wasn't planned for me to talk about it. I just happened to check my messages on, on the elevator down coming to the conference this morning. And it was from a company saying, we've reviewed your skills and you would be a great fit for our company if you'd like to reach out to us. Now, I have no interest because now, you know, um, I'm happy where, where, where I'm at. But it's just, it's just so interesting yeah. that, you know, if you were in the market for yeah. a job today. I think it's easier for candidates to find jobs. The problem is now a lot of people are having, you know, trouble getting the talent. But if you're looking for a job today, I think the candidate's more in the driver's seat. So really the, the switch today worth, you know, going back to where things were, you know, it was a tool to find candidates, but it was, it was not customer focused. Right. For candidates, right. now it's all about improving both the employee and the candidate experience. Yeah. And there's different tools that are out there that are being developed by a lot of the vendors that make it not only easy to find and apply for jobs, but one of the most common problems in, in the past with recruiting that's got the biggest knock is that candidates, when they would apply for jobs, would never hear back, would go, yes. like go into like a black box yeah. or something. Right. And now companies are, are ensuring that every candidate it, that's applying for a job gets a response, whether it's they're moving forward or not. And then certainly if they are moving forward, then where they're at at every step of the process, and you'll be able to find out. Yeah, I think one of the issues and challenges I've seen today with recruiting software may be that... Uh, some of that stuff gets too automated. Yeah. And we have the robots who are going through and looking at the resumes and parsing out the ones that are not as attractive. Yeah. And literally within minutes of the application, sending that rejection letter and saying, 
we've thoroughly vetted your resume (laughs) and we don't think that you're a good fit for us, but thank you for keeping us in mind. We'll keep you, we'll keep you in mind too. Yeah. And that's totally disingenuous. If it's a computer who's done it and it's minutes after you've applied. I think the more successful, you know, companies and in my view, I mean, technology is, is definitely important. We, we absolutely need it, but I really think the service component that goes hand in hand with the technology. So, uh, we work with a lot of the at Nelson Hall, a lot of the RPO sure. providers, and what they'll they'll do is create talent pipelines, and they'll they'll have an actual recruiter right. that their job is to really communicate with right. with candidates, even if they don't have an immediate job right. opening, to tell them information about things that the company's doing. Maybe it's you know what they're doing for socialization in the community, or maybe you know, money they're donating to different organizations oh, sure. just to make sure candidates know, hey, it's the type of company I'd like to work for. And and there's nothing like somebody picking up a phone, too, once you know, Absolutely. you know, you've, you've got the type of people that your company would like to hire when you do have an opportunity. I think the human touch is still important because people are so bombarded yeah. today more than ever, not only their, their work messages, but in your personal life. Yeah. I, I mean, I... I'm not sure how this happened, but I think I get just as many personal messages outside of work as I do now at work. Yeah. Um, so it's just really hard. So if you want to differentiate yourself, I think you can't just send a text or, or an email. Sometimes it's good to, to pick up the phone and really engage with the candidate. It's very refreshing to hear you say that because a lot of the conversations that we've had and a lot of the conversations around the HR data labs we've talked to people about, a lot of people say that technology is the answer. And I I, I know I've always advocated, and I think you have too, Dwight, you talk about this, that you cannot divorce people from the equation because we're a people business. And people have so much more skill today than than the robots do and and the AI does for context. And to your point, I love the idea. And I've actually seen this at some vendors where they create the talent pools Mm -hmm. and they click create create resource groups yes. where they're stoking those really hard to get client facing or non-client facing employees mm-hmm. that are ready to go. You keep them warm. Yes. And while you're hiring a bunch of other people, you keep this pool warm because if they fail, you're going to go to that group and pull those people out. Exactly. Yeah. And having that human touch, the personalization of that yeah. then gives a face or a name and yeah. a voice to those people. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's really improved. I mean, other trends I'm seeing now that's a big focus. On one hand, it's nothing new. It's just increased importance is, is really employee engagement. Yeah. So once you, once you get those hires on board, yeah. you want to keep them happy. You want to communicate with them. And so at this conference now, I've met with several companies that that's really what they do. They they've have software now. It's, it's really a tool for not only the re- recruiting team, but, you know, managers to keep in, in touch with their employees. And, like an and onboarding solution, you mean? Well, it, both an onboarding solution is, is one piece, as well as once those people have come on board, oh, okay. just the whole communication yeah. um, tool just to make sure. And then some companies are doing engagement surveys once people come on board is just making sure that that they're happy and getting feedback and seeing where they can improve and i mean that's stuff that you know was 
when I got in, in yeah. HR, we were doing in the 1980s. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's just an increased focus now because it's just more important than ever yeah. to, to retain the talent that you have. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe. This podcast is made possible by Salary.com. Now, back to the show. So what's funny is, is that I don't know if you've ever used Slack as a communications medium, but a lot of companies are actually using that to be their almost employee engagement platform, uh-huh. their uh, communications platforms for employees, yeah. as well as their team management platforms. Yeah. And they're using Slack as a platform for you know driving other things onto uh-huh. it, like knowledge management, so that's one thing. And it, yeah. it, it was one thing, and then it transitioned to... Yeah. A bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you could say that about Salesforce and everything else. But have you seen companies like that, which were primarily like communication tools like Slack, yeah. who have then transitioned to become almost like HR-centric tools? Yeah, I, I think that you know companies are are doing that. I think I think the I don't know what I want to say the hard part, or maybe it's, it's the challenging part is I think there's a lot of separate tools to yeah. do different things that you know some are just for onboarding some are tools just for when, when people you know come on on board yeah. and i mean i guess you can integrate these things together but i'm just thinking from the client side yeah. is trying to make a decision you know what you're going to buy so you know it's just it's just hard i know you know even when i was at you know at&t and we used different tools there were so many you used and you try one thing and you that would work and you'd use it for a couple of years and maybe it was a performance management software and everybody was gung ho on and then all of a sudden it just died. So unless somebody is and that's why I think leadership, you know, commitment, it has to be yeah. top down driven, is to use the tools because you might start out all well intent, maybe a company makes inroads to sell a communications tool with the head of HR and, you know, that starts to be used for a year or two. And then, I don't know, it just kind of dies out and people aren't using it anymore. So I just, I just think, you know, you need the more commitment. And I think what I see in, in the future or what I would hope to envision is maybe fewer tools that can do more things so you don't have to be buy things piecemeal yeah. and patch them together. It's so cyclical you could say that. Way back, I think it may have been 17 years ago, John Watson from, I think it was Dell at the time, he was the manager of HRIT. Yeah. He put out this really cool article, and I think it was in, it may have been HR Executive Magazine, it may have been the, in the IRM Magazine, but he put up this article about how awesome it was that he had all best of breed tools yeah. to do compensation, yeah. to do HRIS, to do recruiting, and how he had this concert of people that could manage everything and put it yeah. all together. And I reached out to him a couple of years after he, because he and I became friends about that article. And I, I reached out to him a couple of years later and he said, what a nightmare. Yeah. Having to integrate all these things, at first it was great, but then the cracks started to appear. Because one thing would change one thing, and then you had to map to another. And I think we're going through that as well. You can have a million APIs, but you still have to keep all the data in order. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking the last two days. I'm meeting with all these different companies telling me what they're doing, but it's all all different things. It's all different. They're all good. They're all great 
great tools, but yeah. if there could be fewer tools that could do more, perhaps, yeah. and you know, just it would just make it easier for the user. You know, I don't know if you remember, but there was this concept called HR Open or HRXML, uh-huh. and we were a consortium that tried to bring everybody together in the HR landscape to make the data exchange easier, yeah, and to create taxonomies and to create uh, schemas. Yeah, that would enable you know payroll to happen, you know, passing payroll from one thing to another, or four hundred one k files, participant yeah. files, or benefit files. And um, I was the chair of the compensation then. And to get the participants from all of the different groups together was a nightmare. I think we have a call today, more so than ever, of being able to come together as an industry to be able to bring all the taxonomies together, all the data together yeah. to sing. Isn't that, doesn't that make sense? Kevin? I agree completely. Yeah, it would make things so much easier. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, we want the best thing for our clients too. Yeah. So I just can't imagine that, you know, and, and, and I know the busier starting, you know, they, they have this pledge that they're asking companies to take to make people analytics more interconnectable. Yeah. And um, Turetsky Consulting had that, now part of salary.com, we're going to work on that. Yeah. But it's, it's one of those things where you just hope the industry starts making it easier so we don't run into this problem. Exactly, yeah. Gary, um, I know I promised you 15 minutes. You, it's a little over. Thank you so much for joining. My pleasure as always, David. It's Thank great you so talking much. To you. Um, look forward to talking to you again soon. And hopefully I'll see you and the wife at another conference. Oh, thank you shortly. so much. You've always been very nice to us. I really uh, appreciate it. You guys are awesome people and it's wonderful running into you. Hopefully we'll get to talk soon. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And thank you, Dwight, for being here. Thank you. And thank you for joining. And if you like the podcast, please subscribe. And if you know somebody who would like this topic, please share it with them. Please stay tuned to the rest of the HR Data Labs podcast that's the, at the HR Technology Show. Thank you very much. Take care and stay safe. That was the HR Data Labs podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. And if you know anyone that might like to hear it, please send it their way. Thank you for joining us this week and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.